Hey, this is Dr. Bruce Becker. I'm here today once again with uh, Pastor Mike Novotny, the lead speaker at Time of Grace Ministry. How are you doing, Pastor Mike? Ooh, I'm here. What a year. We, uh, <laughs> we, we made it. <laughs> yeah, this is the, uh, the last day uh, of uh, this year, and we're on the doorstep of a new year. Uh, it starts tomorrow. What, could you share, share your thoughts about uh, what you expect 2021 to be like? I know you're not a prophet, but oh. give us your best shot. <laughs> you just stole my joke. I don't have the gift of prophecy. Um, whew, yeah, I'm, you know, if you would have asked me a year ago that question, <laughs> I wonder what kind of grade I would have gotten as a prophet. Um, oh, if I was guessing, like making an educated guess, I would say uh, back to normal. Hopefully, and more Jesus, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, the reason I said it that way, I was thinking of the last time our country had really been through something, you know, big, life-changing, catastrophic, um, you know, 9-11 or the financial crash of just over a decade ago. And, you know, right in those moments, people get super spiritual and they realize, you know, anything can can change, everything can be taken away. But then, you know, once life gets back to normal and it's the job and the weekend tournaments and the, the old commitments, um, it, it's really hard to resist the magnetic attraction to go back to the, you know, busy status quo of the past. So I'm, I'm hoping, hoping that maybe we learn some lessons from 2020, but I'm not a prophet and I have no clue how people listening will respond to that. Well, maybe a year from now we'll uh, talk about it and uh, you know look back to see if any of the things that you did say uh, came uh, came to fruition. So. That would be fun. We should have like prophetic scorecards where we, we see each year how, how much we need God to tell us what's true because we have no idea. Yeah. Say your first message of the new year is entitled God's Biggest Goal for You. Uh, can you give us just a little hint as to what that biggest goal is? Yeah, um, obviously, God's biggest goal is to lose the 19 pounds we gained during the corona year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, whew, uh, I think, well, I should say I know, uh, God's biggest goal for you and for me is himself. Um, simply to give us more of himself, to open our eyes to himself, um, it might seem very self-centered of God, but the more we think of God, really the better life gets. Um, the more glorious and thrilling and attractive and satisfying God is, the more he opens my eyes to that, the more I'm cool with Corona years and non-Corona years and church live or church digitally or virtual learning or in-person learning. So God's great. Um, John Piper uh, kind of a famous pastor, he loves to say that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I like John Piper too. Yeah, he, uh, he calls it Christian hedonism. So you sometimes think of hedonist lifestyles being the pursuit of pleasure. And his philosophy is called Christian hedonism, that the pursuit of our greatest pleasure is just to be in God's presence. And that brings him glory, and it ends up making our souls really, really happy. 
Well, the other four messages in January are all centered around a contrasting theme of pride and humility. And you do this by uh, focusing on Jesus' life, his, his humble birth, his humble home, his humble life, and even his humble death. In, in all of these messages, you speak about Jesus' humility. Why was that important for Jesus? And maybe even more important, why is that important to us? Yeah, I like Jesus. How do, how do, you, <laughs> how do you feel about him, Bruce? <laughs> Um, wow, when I think of the humility, when I just think about humility, humility for me at least is the hardest thing in the whole world. And, you know, I'm just an average guy. To think that God was walking in human flesh and he was humble, okay. uh, that is such a stunning admission of his divinity. Um, I'm really glad that we're talking about humility in these programs because the, the more I think about it, humility is probably the most important characteristic we have in our relationships. Um, so hope this isn't too, uh, transparent. Um, two weeks ago, my wife and I had a really, really bad week. Uh, like probably one of our toughest, um, arguments, to be honest with you, like started on Friday, woke up to it on Saturday, still lingered on Sunday. And when I look back on it, like I, I was being super thinking of myself and what I wanted and wanting Kim to change and, you know, see things my way. And then last week, I mean, just because God is awesome, it was one of the best weeks we've had in marriage in a long, long time. And she was super selfless and I was super selfless. And we stopped thinking of ourselves and started thinking like you first and of each other. So yeah, j just my own experience in marriage is that humility makes things really good and pride makes things really, really bad. So to have a Jesus who didn't come full of pride and ego and arrogance, but he humbled himself and lived for us and died for us and, and rose for us. I mean, it just makes Jesus amazing and necessary and such the perfect model for our own relationships. You know, in one of the messages, you suggested a prayer that we should pray. Father, bless me with less me. Or to put it another way, Father, bless us with less us. <laughs> why do we need to pray that such a prayer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Why do we need that prayer? Because I am my number one problem. Um, the number one obstacle to my own joy in Jesus is myself. And I'm so worried about what people think of me or how I'm performing or, you know, <laughs> fill in the blank um, that that prayer it, maybe Jesus starts that way for a reason. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Yours is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Like, let, you know, let's make this about you, God, and not about me. Um, I forget if I've told you this. A couple years ago, I decided to redecorate a little bit. Um, Kim and uh, my my bedroom, but I didn't ask her permission first. Uh-oh. Yeah, you can... Uh, this. In my mind, this was going to be super romantic, Bruce. I should have, <laughs> I should have known better. So, um, you know, Kim and I know the value of humility. So we have this little phrase in our house that says, me first makes a mess, but you first makes us blessed. And we repeat that to our girls all the time. Like if they're fighting, is this a me first mess? Are you, are you trying to get what you want? So I took, we had, Kim had, she loves like black, white, and gray kind of design stuff. So we had these 
black and white pillowcases that my mom made for our bed. And they had like all white, these black stripes in the top and bottom. And right in the middle, there was this big white space for me to write on them with a fat Sharpie. So I did. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those big oversized Sharpies. And on, there were two pillows. On one of them, I wrote the word you. And on the other one, I wrote the word first. So right on top of our bed are these two pillows just say you first. And I thought, you know, if, if our marriage, if our home can be a you first home, we're going to be super blessed. Well, it, it turns out that Kim likes the idea better than my artistic design. So she was not <laughs> entirely thrilled when she got home. But yeah, um, those pillows are still there. So I don't know if that means I won or not. But um, I, I just love, I love that message. We, we actually, we made t-shirts now at our church where all of our volunteers wear a colorful t-shirt that just has two words on the front, you first. So yeah, wh why pray something like bless me with less me? My answer would be because a church that has humble people or a marriage that has two humble people or a neighborhood filled with humble people, um, you know, pick, pick anything, any dynamic. And if you have a bunch of humble people in the room, wow, that, that is a safe, loving, beautiful, thrilling place to be. So, Father, bless us with less us. You know, that prayer really does sum up uh, the message series title, which is Less Me. And that just fits really well, doesn't it? You know, I'd like to expand our conversation beyond uh, your message series and, and take a look at some specific examples of pride in the Bible and its impact. So, who would come to mind when you think about pride and its consequences? Maybe you could give a, an example from the Old Testament and maybe one from the New. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, I think I can. How, how about this? I'll give you a, a bad example from the Old Testament and a good example from the New Testament. Does that work? That works for me. It was, it was much easier to find bad examples of proud people than <laughs> great examples <laughs> of humble people. Yeah, so I, I was thinking... Um, in the Old Testament, if you remember your Bible history, you know you started with King Saul and then King David and then King Solomon, and then the kingdom split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom called Judah. And there was a list of, I think it's about 20 kings who reigned in each spot. And you know, most of them are super proud. They're really not good kings. Most of them don't really love God at all. But one of the best kings on the whole list was uh, good King Hezekiah. And he's kind of famous in a bunch of Old Testament stories that um, the Assyrians were marching in on him and he humbly turned to God in prayer. Uh, he's being mocked by his enemy. He was totally surrounded by this fierce army and he laid it out before God. And then, do, do you remember like one of the last moments recorded about Hezekiah's life? He, uh, God rescues him from the Assyrians and blesses him with his kingdom and the riches and all the treasures and his royal treasury. And the Babylonians show up, these nice Babylonians, and Hezekiah, in his pride, says, oh, I should, let me show you my palace. Right. And like, a, like an Old Testament reality show, like he wanted to show off all the riches and splendor and his pride. He loves showing the Babylonians who, what do you know, will be the ones who not too long afterwards would come and take all of it away. So, you know, that story strikes me that Hezekiah was one of the good guys. Um, he was not King Ahab. He was not, you know, these wicked, worshiping Baal, sacrificing children kind of kings. He, he was one of the best on the whole list of God's anointed and chosen rulers. And yet, and yet, 
at the end of the day, like pride still tempted him to. So it's, to me, that story is such a good warning that um, after a great victory, the, the devil's not done with you. You know, you, you preach a good sermon or you have a good day at work or you're a great parent or you do something great. And the devil, he doesn't say, oh, I guess you're not temptable. He shows up right when things are going well and just, you know, finds a little way to nudge us with pride. So that's the warning of good King Hezekiah. On the New Testament side, um, what jumped into my mind when I thought of pride and humility was the Apostle Paul. And uh, specifically, I I was just thinking through in my mind real fast, the book of Philippians, where Paul, when I think of passages about humility, Philippians 2 is like top of my list. Um, Consider other people better than yourselves. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And then, you know, Jesus was God, but he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So my brain went to Philippians 2. But then I kind of zoomed out thinking, you know, in Philippians 1, Paul's in jail and he humbly says, hey, if if God wants me to die here or if he wants me to get out and do more ministry, like as long as he's glorified, I'm good. And then in Philippians 3, after talking about Jesus, he says, you know, all I really want, I could lose everything. It's all garbage. It's rubbish. It's lost. If I could just know God, which is the humblest thing to say. And, and then in chapter 4, He's talking about joy and peace. And he says, I I can be content no matter what the circumstance. You'll make me rich, make me poor, leave me in jail, get me out of jail. I can do everything through the one who gives me strength. So, man, I I think about how I would have reacted. I'm sitting in jail for years. I'm the most famous and popular Christian that really exists since (laughs) Jesus Christ is back in heaven. But Paul's humility was really the, the narrow road that got him to all these things that we all want, like joy and contentment and peace and happiness in God. So don't be like Hezekiah. Jesus really help us to be like Paul because, man, being humble would make us so blessed. As you were talking, I was just thinking about Paul's entire life and how it was a contrast because he started out before his conversion as just a pride-filled man. And then after his conversion, after he came to know Jesus, Wow, that's where that humility came. So thanks for triggering that in my mind. You're welcome. You know, there's situations in which pride is so obvious, whether it's mine, whether it's yours, whether it's somebody else. But can you expand a bit on ways that we're prideful without even knowing about it? Mm. Yes. Um, I forget if it was C.S. Lewis. Uh, there, there's some theologian that said, Pride is the monster that wears a thousand masks. Like, pride is not just the arrogant, pounding my chest, you know, wide receiver who spikes the ball and does a dance in the, the cornerback's face. Uh, pride is the, the second string teammate who sits on the bench and says, I can't believe that person. Um, I'm so much better than that person. You know, there's like really outspoken, obvious pride. And then there's the quiet critic who's just as proud, but most people don't know it. Um, I also think of when people come and they seem very humble when they've done something really bad and I share the gospel with them and I say, hey, Jesus died for this and God forgives you. And sometimes their response to me is, but I can't forgive myself. Think about that for a second, though. 
okay, God himself, like <laughs> the King of Kings and Lord of Lords says, you are forgiven. And what, what does your heart say back to him? Well, hey, thanks for the advice, God. But I, I think I kind of know that this is more serious than you're saying it is. So yeah, we, we might feel very humble, like we're groveling. Oh, I, I can't just be, I can't rejoice yet. I'm not really forgiven. I don't feel that way. When that is insanely arrogant to tell God he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to forgiveness. So I think that's a, a subtle way that, that the devil loves to make us proud so that we don't rejoice in God's mercy and his love and everything that Jesus did for us. So you mentioned uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, there's another quote uh, that he has about pride. It goes, uh, pride is spiritual cancer. It, it eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Any thoughts on what C.S. Lewis said? I concur. <laughs> yeah, he's how can you how can you top a great C.S. Lewis quote? <laughs> um, yeah, let me I'll, I'll babble and you can uh, just edit it out because this is a what, what a brilliant quote. Um, you know when he said pride is spiritual cancer, I, I thought you know cancer is something that spreads by its very nature. And the only way that we know of to take care of cancer is radical and it's painful and it hurts. And yet in the end, it helps. So I was thinking about my own pride. Like if I don't address it, if I'm not serious about it and it's there in my heart, like it, it's going to spread to more and more areas, my parenting, my ministry, my marriage, what kind of neighbor I am, what kind of son I am. So I got to go after it and like chemo, it is not going to be pleasant. Um, you know, it's just going to make me emotionally sick to have to day after day go to war with this sin. But just like chemo, like it can work and God can cure me day by day. He can make me more like Jesus, forgetting about myself, putting other people first. So um, that's my long way of saying what C.S. Lewis said in four words, pride is spiritual cancer. Well, thanks, Pastor Mike. Our, our listeners can uh, watch or listen to this entire series, Less Me, over the coming weeks by going to our website at timeofgrace.org. Hey, in January, we've got an awesome 365-day devotional book entitled Seeking God Every Day. What comes to your mind, Pastor Mike, with that title, Seeking God Every Day? Oh, man, I think of Psalm 27. Um, King David says, there's only one thing in the whole world that I want and that I desire and that I seek, and it's to see the face of God. Just to see him in his temple, to realize his glory and his love. So I, I just love that. I mean, there's some action there, like seeking him isn't just sitting here and waiting for him. I My heart strays and it wanders like a, like a sheep that gets distracted by a little patch of grass. So, I, you know, I got to work for it a little bit mentally. But man, when I seek God, I end up seeing God. And that leaves me satisfied with God. So maybe that's where we started our, our journey here with God's greatest goal for us is just for us to see him, to know him, to be totally satisfied with him. So I hope this little book, uh, or big book actually, 365 Days is a, a huge help so more people can do that. Yeah, you wrote uh, many of the devotions, but we've got a lot of other devotional writers that are all uh, contained uh, in that 365 devotional. 
Our listeners can uh, get a copy of this 365-day devotional by going to our website at timeofgrace.org. As you know, we close each month with a story or a couple of stories of people who have been blessed by God through the ministry of Time of Grace. Do you have any uh, stories this month? Wow. You know, last month I told like three stories. I thought you were going to put a strict limit on me this time because... No, wide open, wide open. Yeah. I don't know about people listening, but I get I get so excited when God lets me see just a little bit of what his word is doing. You know, in, in faith, we hold on to the promise that his word works and it doesn't come back empty. But I just love stories that prove to me the spirit is at work through our humble efforts. Um, yeah, I'll, so I'll limit myself to one story this month. There is a, a neighbor next to our church. So our church just moved to a new location and great guy, easy to talk to. Uh, not a church guy, not a Christian guy, but has seemed really open to kind of chat with me in the parking lot when he's walking his dog or hanging out with his little kid. And he ended up just almost suddenly walking into our building this past week and just kind of admitted to me that, you know, his life was missing something. So um, I, I was asking him uh, to come on Sunday, encouraging him. And uh, he actually said that he had a friend, I have no clue who this friend is, who pulled out his phone and said, hey, uh, do you know this guy? And on his phone was like a time of grace picture with me. Oh, really? Yeah. And so the, and the neighbor said, oh, yeah, I, I, I totally know that guy. Like, we got to go to church and, you know, we got to hear this message. So, um, you know, by God's grace, one thing leads to another. So this past Sunday, they're in the back row, sitting, of course, in the chair closest to the exit is this neighbor. And... I was preaching about where we find happiness in life and telling stories about people who are rich and powerful and famous. Uh, even John Lennon, who at the peak of his career said, I, I, just, I just want happiness and he couldn't find it. And talking about how Mary found it and the shepherds found it and the wise men found it all in the exact same spot in knowing that God was with them and that God had forgiven them and God was worthy and God had saved them. And uh, after the second service on Sunday, I got back to my phone and here was a text from this, this neighbor and uh, the, the gospel just, just hit him right in the heart. Um, so man, to think God just has his ways, you know, you, you try to love people the best you can, you share the gospel and God opens a door and it's so, it's so fun just like to watch the Holy Spirit work on people's hearts. So yeah, everyone out there who's been praying for us, who supports us, who's been praying for me and our ministry, like th- thank you so much because real lives are really being changed. Thanks for that story. That's an awesome story. And can you uh, can you close us out this month? I would love to. Yeah. So if you're listening out there, thanks so much. Uh, we know your time is valuable. So if you're uh, washing dishes or brushing your teeth or in the car or on the treadmill, uh, whatever you're up to, thanks for taking time to listen in to Time of Grace. Uh, once again, we love more people hearing this message. So if you could take just a second when this is done, If you could rate this, review this, maybe share this with someone that you know who's looking for more humility. Hey, maybe someone who had a bad week of marriage like I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, Whatever you can do to spread this word, we're so grateful uh, because God loves to be glorified and people need to be satisfied. So thanks for listening in. Uh, Thanks for all your great questions this month, Bruce. And we pray that you all have an amazing day.